So, so as we look at this, follow me. Whenever we talk about following me, Jesus is talking about stepping into your calling. So as we think about this, the hallmark scripture you've heard me say many times, if you've been here for a while, is 2 Timothy 1.9. says, who has saved us and, everybody say and, called us with what? A holy calling, a hagios calling in the Greek. It means separated for a, a, a regular use for a holy use or separated for a, from an evil use to a, a godly use. And it's talking about separating from this world's mission and plan and move it into God's mission and plan for your life, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Remember the word calling there, kaleo in the Greek? What's it mean? To be legally summoned. In other words, God legally summons you because you became his son or his daughter. Now, from the, from, he's no longer that God out there. Now he's daddy. And daddy is saying, you're in my family, son, daughter, now, here's what I summon, or here's what I assign for you to do with your life. And a lot of times we're like, I'll get into it in a minute, how we discover that, how we find that, and how we walk in it. But it says, uh, says but according to what? It says, with a holy calling, not according to our works. Your works is not your calling. Your works is the fruit of your calling, of who, who you're called to be. But according to what? My own purpose, his own purpose. Remember, purpose, Greek, prothesis, means before. Pro means before. Thesis means, in the Greek, it means a deliberate design or a location. So in a before location, he said, what I want you to do, he said, do according to his own previous design and grace. We know what grace means, which was given to us. Look now, our calling. You say, well, what is my calling? Well, if you're a believer, the Great Commission said, go for it, pray, for, pray, heal the sick, right? raise the dead, do all those things, preach the gospel with signs following. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. Oh, yeah, you are. A preacher don't mean that you're up here doing it. You're a minister of the gospel. What are you? You're a son or daughter of God to distribute his kingdom wherever you go. That's his mission. Now, now where is my calling? I was assigned to be saved. I was assigned to be called to have a purpose and a why by God for when I was born in this earth, and you say, how did that happen before time began? I'm glad you asked. Here's how, how it happened, because, it, well, I'm going to read it. It says, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was what? Given to us wherein, everybody say in, Christ Jesus, when? Before time began. Before time began, before, you know, you were a twinkle in your daddy's eye and all that stuff and your mommy and daddy got together and, and you were formed, right, through the seed and all that stuff. God already assigned you and called you and anointed you for the gifts, the talents, and the skills that you develop in this lifetime. They're all for his purpose. They're all for his glory. And whenever we begin to understand that, it happened before time began. It went in Christ Jesus. The instant you gave your life to Christ, you were born again. What? How do you get born again? By grace through faith. Well, who is grace? Jesus. Romans 5 tells us that grace came. 
right? Jesus came and he became the savior of the world. He replaced what the first Adam lost and he became the second Adam and became our grace that we're saved in Jesus' name. We're saved through grace. Grace means God's unmerited favor and he was unmerited favor to us. Grace is not just a noun. It can be a synonym. It can be everything, but the noun version of it is Jesus. Now it says, for the purpose of what? In Christ Jesus. Well, what's Christ mean? It's where we get the word Christos. It means anointed one. So it's talking about the anointed one and his anointing. So his anointing, Jesus said what? I came to this earth, what? To break the bands of wickedness, to break the strongholds, to set the captives free. That's his mission. So in his mission is our mission because we are what? Created in his image and his likeness. We are his little brothers and sisters and his daddy is our same daddy and we have the same DNA that Jesus had at this point when we become blood-bought, born again. The Bible says we're engrafted into the vine. So when you gave your life to Christ, you didn't just get saved or preserved or set aside. You just didn't get, oh, I get a reward to go to heaven. Yeah, all that's true in a sense. But really, you are saved, and the, what's the, the, the uh, what do you call it, the verb? It's and, not or, or if. It says you are saved, you were saved, what? And called. And by the way, two beautiful ladies gave their life to Christ yesterday. Yeah. Amen. And I, I see at least one of them here today, and it's an honor to have her, her with us today. I'm not, I'm not sure if I see the other one, but I see her. So, so what I want you to realize is, guys, when you gave your life to Christ, even before you gave your life to Christ, God already marked you. God already set you up. It says in Hebrews, you know, 11.3, what he, he framed the worlds through his word of faith. Through his word. That word framed in the Greek means fit, finish, and fashion. God fit finished and fashioned the world you're in for your gifts, your skills, your talents, your anointing. But we don't see what we don't see. You get it? We don't know what we don't know. We don't understand what we don't understand. And if I want to see a matter and know a matter and understand a matter, I have to apply myself. It doesn't just happen, right? And that's the way it is about your calling. Your calling is your why. It's why you're here in this first place. Your calling is why you were born in this dispensation and not 1000 AD or, or, or uh, 1500 AD. You were born in this dispensation, this time, and you're in this location. And you say, yeah, but I've just gave my life to Christ or, or you know, I've never served Christ. Well, what's that mean? God still has you set up right where he wants you for this season of your life for whatever needs to manifest in you through his grace and purpose so you could come into alignment with what he designed you to be and to do. Can anybody say amen to that? So our calling is found where? And our salvation in Christ Jesus, in the anointed one and his anointing. And, and, and it talks about it in Ephesians that every member of the body, every member has a ministry. And that's what we built this church on. Every one of us have a ministry. And that ministry is to reveal the purpose and the grace of Christ wherever we go. Reveal his purpose. Remember, this church is based on what? The four Bs. This is a place when you come here, what? You, you belong. You're loved just as you are, not as you think you should be or anyone else thinks you should be. This is a place where you believe, what? In Jesus and his full word, all his word. This is a place where you become, what? Who, des who God designed you to be. 
Become who he designed you to be, who he destined you to be, who he desires you to be. And then to build the kingdom of God. How do we do that? Through making a difference every day. Make a difference with your kindness, with your word, with your seed, with your wisdom, with your skill set. Do it as unto the Lord. See, you really, if you're a believer, if you're born again and blood-bought, you don't really have a job. Wherever you're working at and getting paid, that's your ministry. You don't do it as unto my supervisor if I like them or not. You don't do it as unto, uh, I'm, I'll give them excellence if they up my pay. No, you do it as what? Unto the Lord. Why do we do it as unto the Lord? We do it as unto the Lord because we are under him and he is the one that established the purpose and design and a skill set in us in the first place to have that job. Or if you own a business or you're an attorney or a factory worker, it doesn't really matter. Or stay-at-home mom or retiree, it doesn't really matter. Wherever you are, that's your ministry. And if you feel uncomfortable and I'm not getting it done, Seek God about it. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute, how to seek him. And as you seek God about it, begin to pray that he would open doors for you to move in. So you don't just zap yourself into your calling, you step into your calling. But you can't step in your calling if you don't know the right direction to take. You can't step in your calling if you don't know how broad of a step you need to be. You might be stepping off a cliff, right? You need to know where you're stepping. <clears throat> Especially if you got dogs around the house. Just seeing if you're awake, that's all. So whenever we're building the kingdom and it takes all four B's for us to build the kingdom, what's that? That's what it looks like. That's what life looks like. That's what calling and ministry looks like. So uh, let me move on down here. So turn me to Matthew 4. We're going to look at Matthew's gospel. So to help navigate this idea of calling, what I want to do is look first at the, let's look at the first two people that experienced the ministry of Jesus Christ. And we know in Luke 5, you've heard me teach that whole passage many times, but in Luke chapter 5, it was Andrew and Peter, Peter and Andrew, right? It says what known as Simon Peter, who really at that time, he was still Simon Barjona was his name. And he was a fisherman. Simon means uh, one who hears. Bar means son. Jonah means a dove, which represents the spirit. The one who hears the spirit Christ renamed him Petros or rock, Peter. That's what Peter means in the Greek. So we see that these are the first two guys that Jesus brings in. And you know how it starts out in Luke 5. I don't want to read the whole passage because I'll preach the first five verses all day long. I love them so much. But Jesus comes up, and what is it? They're, they just finished fishing, and all their little boats are on the side. Some people say there was many as 1,000 to 2,000. Some say there was less than that. But there was a lot of boats. Everybody say a lot of boats. And that, these were commercial fishermen. This is how they made their living. And Peter and Andrew, he, Peter was cleaning his nets. And whenever Jesus walked up, he said, uh, can, can I use your boat, basically? And, and he says, uh, well, sir, it said rabbi or whatever. He said, you know, you could tell he was a teacher. He was someone, you know, distinguished, it looked like, to Peter. And he is like, well, uh, you know, we've toiled all night long and caught nothing. And then he didn't realize it, but his season was getting ready to change. And what happened? Jesus said, don't worry about it. Let me use your boat. And he said, "Cast, push out a little. When he pushed out, Jesus preached, and many people began to believe in Jesus just, just by that opportunity of Peter allowing Jesus to use his skill set 
and his tools and his material, his livelihood, used his livelihood to minister to thousands of fellow fishermen. And then Peter's like, that's good, but I've fished all night. I got to go back in, get my nets up, get rested so I can go fishing again. You see, they would fish in the evening or at night, I mean, or in the early morning hours. Why? Because the Sea of Galilee is like a small ocean. It's huge. And what happened is the fish, they didn't have the technology they have now to throw their nets down and stuff. The, the fish would come to the shallower parts of the water, you know, because it was not hot. The, the sun was not, and then it was easier to fish and to see where they were throwing their nets so they weren't just throwing them blindly. So he said, cast your boat out a little farther. And he said, Master, don't you understand? I mean, this is not the time to fish, right? I need to go rest. You use my boat. This is cool. But I, you know, Kaza, he said, throw your nets down. He said, but I did that. Nothing. He said, throw it on this side. When he did, it was such a catch that he and Andrew couldn't even pull it in. Remember? That was a season change. He had a season change, but he still didn't see what happened. He had a season change, but he didn't understand what happened. He had a season change and something in his spirit said, Whoa, this is different. And, and all of a sudden, he forgot how tired he was. And, and he even forgot about this great catch that could have probably paid their debts off. He called his friends, come on over. And other fishermen came out. And they were all right there just filling their boats up and filling their boats up. Well, when they get to the side after that happened, look what happens in verse 18. It said, and Jesus, and Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon and Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting nets into the sea, and for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me. Everybody say, follow me. Now look what he said. He said, follow me and I will do what? I will make you what? Fishers of men. Fishers of men. Wait a minute. He's fishers. He's a fisherman of fish. That's two different dimensions. Your career is a different dimension by itself than your calling. But when you follow Jesus, they be, those dimensions become one. Said you're in the you're in the you've been living in this dimension a fisher fisherman of fish, but you're getting ready to go into another dimension, fisherman of fi, uh, men. And, and what he's saying is, you say, well, how did he use his skill set to to win fishermen or to win other people? Peter won all kinds of people to the Lord, right? Jesus used that hard work, that anger, that crassness. He took all those things that made Peter a hot, tough, hard fisherman, and he used it as a skill set. Now, he had to hone it a lot, right? He used it as a skill set, and, and Peter became one of his key disciples, right? That's where, that's where they started writing cussing in the Bible right there. You know, those cuss words you say, they're in there from Peter, right? Oh, they're not in curse words. What's that say? But anyway, okay, so follow me. That's another question for another day. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately, immediately left their nets and followed him. They just knew something happened inside of them. Something happened inside of them. And, and they, they, they didn't totally understand it, but they were smart enough to follow this guy a little longer and see what's up. And it wasn't about following him to, to get more fish. They wanted to know what he's talking about, fishermen of men. When, when you follow Jesus along your journey, there will be identifying markers. There will be events happening in your life. There'll be things happening around you. There'll be people speaking into your life. There'll be revelation you get from God. It just comes, it's, it's a discovery, not a production. But the key is be right where you're supposed to be and the next thing will be revealed. And if you don't know what to do, keep doing what you were told last to do. <clears throat> so... Um, 
we look at this, that, that this was one dimension that they were living in, that they were working in, but this new dimension that Jesus is bringing them into, fishermen and men, changed everything, not only for them, but for you and I, because they became great disciples of Christ. Um, Peter and Andrew, they were doing the right thing in the wrong place or the wrong dimension. They, they were fishing, but it was the wrong, wrong fish that God wanted to fish. It was right to that point. Now, if they had turned away, then they'd been in total rebellion, but they didn't. They followed Jesus, right? And, and it says that Peter, I mean, and Peter and Andrew were what? Doing the right thing in the wrong dimension. But he, Jesus said, I'm going to shift you. Now, here's what I want you to get. Peter said, Jesus said, I'm going to shift you. I'm going to take your influence, your skills, your talents, and your resources that you've learned throughout life, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to bring you into a new dimension. Those fish don't live eternally, but men do. Women do, right? He said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Now, if you read the history, I used to teach in Bible college and all that stuff, and I had to really get in and study the life of Peter and, and, and other disciples and stuff. One of the things I learned through the studies and reading and all that is that Peter really in his heart desired, desired to be a rabbi. That's what he really desired as a boy. But only the smartest, only the, the ones that had that marking of, man, they could, they could just remember things and, and they carried themselves a certain way and all that. They would decide if you were going to be a rabbi by the time you were 12 years old, I think it was, if you had the potential to be one. And they put those kids in accelerated school, a different school. They had higher level, like doctorate people, you know, other rabbis teaching and training them. They didn't let just an average person train them. And Peter always felt, man, I wanted to be a rabbi, but I was rejected. So here he is. Jesus is calling him into something he was rejected of as a child. But what dimension Jesus has called him in is a totally different dimension than what he desired to be called into. Oh, me. See, there's things you desire to be called into, and you get disappointed because you're not called, you don't seem to be called into it. You don't seem to have the fruit. You don't seem to have the heart because that's not your dimension. And if that's not your dimension, the dimension God has for you is greater, not lesser than. So ever how much joy that would bring you, the dimension he's called you to is going to bring you way much more joy than that. Because when he does it, he does it what? Press down, shaking, and running over. And I've found out in my life, there's things I've done and mistakes I've made, and now I use them in ministry. There's, I use them in my life. I use them in, we do use it in raising our children and all that stuff, right? Things that you count off as like you're condemning yourself over really was just a learning. Yeah, you did it. It's sin. You repented. Okay, you get over it. Jesus, God says, I throw your sea, when you repent, I throw your sin in the sea of forgetfulness. He says, I throw your sea, I forget the name of the sea he calls it, but he says, I throw your sin in there to never remember anymore. So God already forgot about it. Why are you worried about it? Now, you might be paying some price from it. Maybe you did some things that cost you financially, cost you relationships, all that. And, and that's sad because we do reap the harvest a lot of those things. And some things he graces us, we just don't reap the harvest. We're blessed. But either way, you can get a good harvest off any of it, whether, you, you know, you had to pay a price or you didn't in the flesh or you might in the future, you can still use that to God's glory. I mean, whenever you hear uh, what, like, one of Miss Jane's brothers was uh, an, ad, an addict for, he said he used her an addict for 25 years. 
And he said he finally got free. And part of that was because of Miss Jane and Miss Gwen and them. And his, his, uh, their Uncle Terry, I mean, his brother, her brother Terry. And, and, and he said, but I've been free 25 years because of this woman and my other siblings believing in me and God doing what he did in my life. Free for 25 years. And I told him, I celebrated him publicly, and then I talked to him later. I was like, man, that, that's, a, that's huge. And he said, yeah, I know, it's real, man. I've been free 25 years. So, so what I want you to realize, there is hope. Here he is. He's free 25 years later. But now it marks a fact of people loved him when he was unlovely. People prayed for him when he didn't feel like he even deserved to live or be prayed for. They were still loving him and praying for him, and they got a harvest from it. And now he's living a great life for the next 25 years, going into whatever season God has for him. So never underestimate even addiction. Never underestimate anything that's been in your life because more than likely that's going to be a part of your assignment. Failed in school, it's going to be part of your assignment. You know, blew up relationships will be part of your assignment. Some way, somehow, God is going to be. Now, the good things are too. All those good things you do, that's good too. But, you know, we don't tend to look at the good things we've done. Right? Oh, I feel God searching my heart. Well, you're not looking for all the great things to tell God you've done, right? You know, oh, Lord, hope you don't see that. Oh, Jesus, I'm just going to forget that. Oh, Lord. But see, it's not you working the grace, it's him. So as we see that, when you go into that new dimension, you don't totally understand it. I still don't totally understand my calling. God evolves my calling. Now he's got me back in the business arena and, and just doing multiple things. You know, Rick and I, we got the urgent care open over there on East Main. We got, I got these houses I'm flipping and doing that, and the boys are getting in real estate. But it hadn't done anything except grow me as a pastor and a minister. It hadn't like held me back, set me back. No, it ignited a fire in me and, and stirred new passion and vision up. Now I'm wanting you to be all you can be. See, I'm a person like you. I'm not a mouthpiece. I'm like you. I'm like Peter, you know, whoever. I, I got assignments on my life and, and I, I was very successful at one time in business and blew it in business when I was in my late 20s. But, but you know what? I learned from it, and God took a lot of that skill set, and, and I passed, when I got on this large staff, and there was doctors on staff and all that, I ended up being their boss within three years and was right under Pastor Rod for the last three and a half years I was there with 2,500 volunteers and 10, 12,000 people a week attending and all that. Just a little hillbilly from Eastern Kentucky. I didn't have a the theological degree. But God. But God used all this other stuff I learned in life, doing my party life, my stupid life, my sports life, my good life, my bad life, my ugly life, my smart life, my stupid life. He used all of that and created, number one, you create survival skills, right? If nothing else, you, I survive, man. I get, if I start getting a little depressed, you know what I do? I think about when I was driving home one night, and I fell asleep on a little straight stretch on a country road right before mom's house. And all of a sudden, I wake up, and I'm coming into a curb getting ready to go through a house, which is just a quarter mile down from my mom's. And all of a sudden, I cut the wheel, and I don't know what happened because the house was straight at me. The curb was like a 35-mile-an-hour curve. I don't know how fast. I was going 80 or 90. I was just passed out, right? And I'm going right toward that house. I cut the wheel. Not only did I do this, somehow I spun like a U around that curve and ended up that way 
And then I could have gotten ran over because I sat there shaking and thought I was dead. And it really, you talk about getting sober. I got sober real quick. Thank God there wasn't a truck or something coming behind me and ran over me. I was just sitting there in the road like, oh, Lord, looking at the rock cliff, looking at the house, looking at me like. But God can use that. He can use that when I'm feeling down, say, I should have been dead. I should have been dead when I hit a tree 80 miles an hour. In a brand new car, didn't have it six months, flying through the air, and somehow an angel grabbed it, and I hit the base of the tree and flipped over its side, went 100 feet down the road. Me and my buddy, I just had one scratch. We broke the windshield out, and I hit the visor and the mirror, and I had one scratch. They didn't even cut me. Had a Michelob in my hand. Wasn't even drunk. We just, just went over to visit some people and just getting ready, just opened our beers up and started, boom. But God can use that. Because he can show me, Dalton, you don't even deserve to be on this planet. So if I saved you from all that stuff, won't you just keep busy on what I assigned you to do? And then I, you, you think you have faith when somebody's healed. I have faith that I'm survived. There, there's people in, in my community still when I walk through them. Man, he's still alive. Seriously. Seriously. Or they'll look at me and go, oh, my God. I just can't believe what God's done with you. But God, right? That's the way it's supposed to be. But you know what? He used all that stuff from being a little boy growing up in eastern Kentucky and all that stuff. He used all that. He used that stuff in the business world. For the business world, he used that stuff from my Nazarene days and going through theological school. I've been through uh, at least part of it, two years, and I got baptized in the Holy Ghost and left it. I didn't want to do that to good Nazarene school. And now I guess spirit-filled people go to those schools. And then, you know, going back and working at World Harvest and all that. So, so God's used all those things. And that's, that's what people say, well, how do you get a development? Well, I had a business background. Well, how do you do this? How'd y'all build a church and you're not a denomination and nobody to, well, just, I don't know, God, faith, crazy, just crazy faith and trust. And my wife, crazy enough to believe and hang on with me. And we hang on with our faith together. And, and you guys, many of you were here the whole journey, hung on with us. Through the good, bad, and the ugly, right? And here we are. We're still here, right? We're still here. So what does that mean? You know, that chair you're sitting on wasn't here. It's, it's here because someone's faith and seed. So, so you got to realize you're sitting on faith this morning. You're sitting on my assignment and her assignment and those that are called to this house's assignment. That's our assignment together, Right? So when people come in here and get saved, all of us, that this is our assignment. Now, 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 you didn't have to be here for the beginning. If you become a covenant member of this house, you're a tither, you're a sower, you serve in this house, it's your assignment too, right? It's your assignment too. So when you see good things happening, you got seed in that. That's part of your destiny and assignment. God could have had you drawn to any other church, but he drew you to this church. Somebody say, well, Lord, I've been waiting for you to move me for 20 years. You wouldn't believe how many people I've had. Well, I'm still here. I hadn't seen you. Well, I know, I'm still here. God just won't release me. I want to say, let me kick you. I'll release you. <laughs> you know, I can turn into Peter real quick, right? Give you the left foot of fellowship. I'll throw my net and, oh, yeah. Create some new cuss words or something. So let's look at this. <clears throat> So here, here's what I want you to realize when you're walking in your destiny and calling, you're saved and called. That assignment is all in one package from the DNA that God designed you to have. So you're not a mistake. God doesn't make junk. 
the fact that you're here. He doesn't make junk. You can look at the parts of your life that are junky and feel like you're junk. But remember, what's one man's junk is another man's treasure. And you're, you might look like junk to people, but you're God's treasure. As a matter of fact, he says, you're so valuable, I put my treasure in earthen vessels. I put my treasure in you, my spirit, my DNA. His entire, the lockbox to his inheritance is in you. So Jesus, whenever he said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men, he was talking about two different things. Now, this is important you get that. The first thing he said, what? follow me, didn't he? Follow me. That's your job. Our job is just to follow him. Wherever he leads us, whatever he does, whatever he expects to happen to us, our job, say my job is to follow him. Right? Now, here's his job says, making you, that's God's job. Making you is God's job. God created you and made you in his image and likeness. It's in there. You just got to keep going for it, right? And life kind of beats and presses and encourages and discourages to the point you're becoming more and more like him. You don't even realize it. But here's the thing. Our job is to follow him. His job is to make us into what he wants us to be while we're following him. There's things Steph and I are doing that we never dreamed we'd do in ministry even. But, but what happens is we, as we follow him, things begin to happen. And you go, wow, that's cool. I never would have seen that 20 years ago. I never would have seen that a year ago or two years ago. So that's how things happen. People say, man, you guys have a blessed life and look what God's doing. And how'd that happen? I had a guy, the guy owns the funeral home. We're up there. He says, man, you, you got to write a book. I said, what? Write a book, dude. No, you got to write a book on how you built that church. I said, ah, well, you know, people ask me. He said, no, and he's an African-American brother. He's like, man, you built a multicultural church. I'm in all these churches. I don't ever see a church like your church. Every time we do a funeral, your, your church, your message, everything is just, it's just refreshing. It's just not normal. You need to write a book. Like, oh, then I started listening. And he said, yeah, he said, think all these small churches that need what you got. But see, the enemy would make me feel like we're still in debt. We still got, you know, 3.7 more million to pay off as a church. We still got this. And, you know, we're not for every service or whatever, you know. And I could look at all that. But other people are seeing something in me. And if God's got to bring a funeral home director to tell me to write a book to tell people what we did and how we did it, then maybe I need to listen. Maybe that's, I have to pray about it. But who knows what God's doing? It's just events happening in your life you don't totally understand until you see them. But you don't see till you see the unseen. <laughs> see, seeing is not just seeing what you see. Seeing is seeing the unseen. Because everything you need is in the unseen, and faith is the vehicle to bring the unseen into the seen. But listen, you say, I don't feel like I'm walking in faith. It's because you've not accepted your assignment. If you're not in faith, you need to check and say, God, am I following you close enough, maybe I need to pick it up a step or two. Maybe I need to consecrate a little more. Maybe I need to dedicate a little bit. God, if I'm, if I'm battling depression or fear or what, you know, whatever, relationship issues, money issues, whatever it is, health issues, God, what, what is it? What is it I need to get? It's just like this sister right here. You know, she got healed a number of years ago, and then her sister and brother-in-law, who, who look at them all miraculous. Just, just stand up let everybody see you. Just stand up, stand up. 
Stand up, stand up, stand up. They're humble. They don't want to, but I'm look. Look at that. Boy, I don't see her coming in. I don't see her. She got a walker over there? No, you don't have a walker now, do you, dear? What was that, two months ago, maybe? Or about two months ago, she was on a walker praying that her husband would live and not die and have his mind. Look at him now. They look like they're ready to go do whatever. You're ready for a new adventure. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I just love these guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. They didn't want to stand up, but I just stayed on. Because it builds my faith. Sometimes you wonder why I'm looking around. I'm looking around when I first get in here to preach. I'm going to look around and see miracles. I look around and see miracles all over this place. I see someone was just saved yesterday. I see people are healed. I see people that's been delivered that were addicts. I, I just, it builds my faith. I don't have to go read it somewhere. I just come in Bethel and look around and see. It's all around you. It's all around you, people. But do you see it? Do you realize, you know, what was it, two weeks ago, we had like right around a dozen people come to Christ to see what the lovely lady that started that whole thing sitting here, been here ever since. Amen. See, 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 when you look, what do you see? Come on, Pastor. Well, I don't know the church. It's, you know, supposed to have that city day, and my God, it's a little low today, not as many people here. Is that what you see? Or do you look around and say, whoo, man, that girl got saved. Ooh, man, I remember they were healed a couple months ago. Oh, they was healed a week ago. Oh, man, this thing... What do you see? Hmm. So, when you look at your dimensions, our job is what? What are we supposed to do? Follow him. Follow Jesus. You know, if you're not in his government, you can't follow him. Bill talked about that a little bit last week, right? He said, you know, you can be home. That's okay if you got to do that. And people like Miss Jane and others that couldn't get here. So that's one thing. But if you're just not even, most times when you're home, you may not even be watching anyway. You might have it on. But maybe you are watching it. That's good. But, but to really get impartation is being in the presence of it, right? But even with that, you could still be at home, you know, being in alignment with the government and the authority of the house and all that as long as your heart's right and that's what you're doing. But what I'm saying is you can be in the house and not in alignment. You can be in the house and not submitted, right? I have to submit to Christ, and, and you have to submit to those in authority over you as far as spiritual matters. And as we submit together, what happens, God can activate his government in our life. But if you're just kind of hanging out and doing this and that, you're not getting the benefit of your house. You're not getting the benefit of the kingdom. You're floundering around because you're floundering around. You're not following close enough. But if you want to, you know, if you want to really dig in, then you say, okay, Lord, I'm going to get in here. I'm going to find out what's going on in my house. I'm going to serve. I'm going to help any way I can. I'm going to use my skills, my resources. And then I'm going to let that same anointing on my pastor of healing and salvation and deliverance. I'm going to let it operate at the grocery store. I'm going to let it operate in my neighborhood and my family. I'm going to let it operate in, I'm going to let it operate in my job and my business. My career. So whenever this happened, he said, follow me. What happened? They immediately dropped their nets and followed him. Everybody say immediately. When it comes to Christ, just, just do it, man. If I said, there's things he tells me to do, sometimes I'm afraid to tell her. 
Because then she'll say, well, you sure, you pray it. But I already knew so much that he said it. I, I might tell her, and then when I give her that look, she's like, okay, I'm going to say nothing. <laughs> but you remember, I got to go through that. I got to deal with that too. I'm like, yeah, you married me. Part of your assignment. We don't like sitting around being idle for some reason. But see, when you know God says something, just do it, man. Just, just do it. Speak yeah. it out and do it. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. Say, so, well, he called me to win thousands. Well, won't you win one? Come on. You win one, then get to two. Then maybe he'll promote you to 20. I'm called to win China. Well, win your household, right? And start in that neighborhood there. And get, get your skill set going. And then let's see if he calls you to Ohio or something for a while. I don't know. And then China, maybe. You know, we, we want to jump in, you know, what my, my mom said, you want to jump out of the kettle into the frying pan. You know, the kettle, you're a slow boy, but the frying, you're sizzling away. You're just jumping out of the kettle now into the frying pan, son. So, so we got to realize, guys, he, he's in our assignment because our assignment's in him. And if we're in Christ Jesus, that says we're, that's the hope of our glory. The hope of our glory is being in Christ Jesus, Right? Is this helping anybody? So whenever Jesus talks to you, whenever the Holy Spirit talks to you, whenever you get revelation, when you get inspired, then that requires action. It requires a reaction to what's been spoken to you, in you, through you, or over you. So we need to react to that however God wants us to do. Sometimes we got to react because we want to do something. we got to sit still. Sometimes we've been sitting still and don't want to do anything, and he gives us three things to do. You know, I'll always just give you one. <laughs> so Peter, Peter dropped his nets. So, so I'm going to ask you this. So uh, the kind of conversation that they had was, you know, it required actions. So too often we want to be inspired in church, but we don't desire to be changed. Did I get any inspiration? I'll say, where did you change any? transformation is the greatest inspiration you can ever have because that's a true experience. But we want to experience just to come out a little bit more encouraged or fired up. You're, you're setting your bar way too low. Yours should be, I'm coming in and changing from glory to glory to glory, from presence to presence to presence. Glory, doxa, God made seen, God's manifested presence. Now, you know when the Holy Spirit's present, things get saved and healed and delivered and all that. So as we get into this, too often we want to be inspired in church but have no desire to be changed because change is uncomfortable, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So we see this. I want you to see that what they did immediately also changed gradually. So they made an immediate decision to follow him. It is a gradual change with Peter, right? Think about it. Peter dropped his nets at one moment. But then he picked him up again later in his journey when he denied Christ and he was crucified. Remember, he went back out and had no luck fishing, him and some of the other guys. They just had to give it up. They saw Jesus, you know, on the road of Emmaus, whatever. So sometimes you, you drop something and, and, and then you'll pick it back up, but God doesn't give up on you. He didn't give up on Peter. I mean, Peter, here he is, what, he's serving God, I'll never deny you. And then Jesus said, Peter, you'll, you know, in the same chapter where he says, you're my rock. This is my rock, and I'll build my church. Peter wasn't a rock. He's talking about he is the rock. The rock of revelation is what he's talking about. And, and Peter, you're a pebble, 
of that rock. You're part of that revelation. And, and upon the revelation, my revelation, the revealing of me, I will build my church. So he's supposed to reveal Christ. And he just told him, who do you say I am? And, and it's who men says I am. Who do you say? And Peter says, you are Christ, the son of God. Peter, no one could have told you but my father in heaven. You are Petros, you are Peter, and now you're no longer Simon Barjona. Now you're Simon Peter, one who hears the rock, the revelation. You're my revelation. You're my Simon, one who hears. And then later in the chapter, Peter's like, he's starting to tell him a little bit what's going to happen Peter. No, that's not going to happen to you. I won't let that happen to you. And he said, I rebuke you, Satan, to the pebble, to the rock, to his own revelation. I rebuke you. Do you know you can have revelation one day and get rebuked the next? Because God never gives you the whole revelation. It cracks me up. People, I, I came and there, there was somebody came here not long ago or something. And yeah, they came for a service or two. And then I laid hands on people. And then they left. And someone knew. So why have you been back to church? Well, I came and God, I wanted him, I wanted his anointing. So I just he laid hands on me. I got it. I, don't, I can go and do what I need to do now. Like, how crazy is that? Now, that's crazy to you, but it wasn't to him. I'm not saying he's not crazy. I don't know who he is. I don't even know who the guy is because God didn't tell me who he was. But, but it is kind of, it seems kind of crazy to us, but in his mind, it seemed right on, man. Now I can go do what I need to do. Maybe God told him to come and sit under this ministry and God was going to heal him and do things in his life, but he, he saw something different than God saw. Here, Peter, he thought Jesus was going to be the next David, right? He and the other disciples. So he, they're serving Jesus, thinking he's going to be the next. It's going to, the kingdom's going to be here right now. It's not later. It's right now. And, and, and then whenever Christ is crucified, what? The same people that Peter uh, lied three times about knowing Christ in front of him later on, he had to pick up the net again and come back and preach to those people. So there's times in your life you'll be picking up old nets. And sometimes it's God and sometimes it's you. You've got to discern which. I didn't say pick up old flames if you're married. I said old nets. <laughs> Somebody said, well, honey, I don't know. I don't know if that's discernment or what, but I was just telling you, no, that's not it, brother. Say, that's not it. Anymore after that story, I'm kind of like, oh. So, so what I want you to realize is that even when you drop things you're not supposed to drop or pick things up you're not supposed to pick up, God doesn't give up on you. Look at, look at what he did to Peter there. What did he do? He told Peter uh, whenever the Mary came, right? And Mary came and, and saw him. And, he, and when he rose, and he said, okay, Mary, go tell my disciples and Peter. Because they didn't consider Peter a disciple. He denied Christ and was off in his fishing business. Said, so, no, you, you go get Peter and my, you go get my disciples and Peter. See, even though Peter gave up and his friends gave up and ministry people gave up, God didn't. God doesn't make junk. Some of the greatest ministers were great ministers, but they're greater ministers because they had to be humbled or they fell or they blew it. And now they understand grace. Now, some are goofier than they ever was because they never truly repented. Repentance means change your mind, direction, behavior. That just means sorry. But the ones that truly repent and are hurtful over it, they're more sensitive and they're more understanding and all that than maybe they were before. And I'm not recommending falling, but I'm just saying God can use anyone. And God can use anything in your life, whether it's a net you should have dropped or you shouldn't have dropped. Whether it's a net you shouldn't have picked up 
or you should have picked up and you didn't. God can use any of that for his glory because he made you. He created you. And there ain't nothing in your little old mind too big for God. Nothing in your big old life is too big for God. He's God all by himself, not all alone. Amen? So what I want you to realize, you can make a decision in a moment to, to obey Christ, to follow Christ, but then it's gradual. It don't just all happen. I remember when he called me to preach. I'm like, okay, I'm called to preach. Now what? So it, it was a gradual thing how, how God evolved all that. And I just had to take those steps. And then it, then it seemed like it was gradual. Then it just went out the roof and went wide open full time. I mean, I, we don't know how it's going to go. We just know that we got to be in our assignment, whatever it is, wherever it is. And as we're in that assignment, that's where his glory is going to manifest. It's about manifesting his glory, not our agenda. So if we make a commitment to the process he has us in, we graduate. But you graduate because of what you did gradually. When you do the process gradually and do it right and effectively, effective, you, you graduate. Tell that to my son at UK right now. I'm believing, Lord, help him, Jesus. I'm messing with him. I, I like messing with him. Hmm. Isn't it interesting that even though Jesus kept, even though Jesus kept uh, using Peter with his nets, he kept calling him from his nets. So he kept using him with his nets. Now, when I think of nets, we think of the one way back there when he changed dimensions. But he had all kinds of nets and things and about his character and his personality. But God still used him even in the middle of all. And even when Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me. No, I'll never deny you. So, oh, yeah, even before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me three times. No, I won't. And then, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, what happened? Peter cut off one of the soldiers' ears, and Jesus killed him, put it back on, and said no. And that probably really broke Peter because he's using one of his best skill sets, his anger and his fighting skills and his crazy courage, right? Because he was probably going to die anyway. There was more of them than him. He had one little knife. So Jesus probably saved his life in the natural as well as spiritual. So, so he used his skill set, his anger, everything that worked for him. When he really got had to bust it and get down it and get it done, that's what worked. And now Jesus just told me I'm going to deny him, and here he is. He's, he's criticizing my gift. He don't even want to use my gift. I offered it, and he's not even using my gift. What kind of Jesus is that? And then he went off, so I'm going to stand back and watch him because he, he's not right. Standing over there by the fire. If he was who he said he is, he'd never let him take him in like that. You know he's saying that all over his breath. And then he starts cursing when they ask him who he is. And then he hears a cock crow. And he does. He looks, and Jesus is looking, beating, looking right at him over there. Right? As he's in the courtyard, and Peter's in the courtyard, and Peter, Jesus turns around, and the Bible says he looks right at him. Man, no matter what, that's when Peter said, oh, Lord, I blew it. I'll just go back to fishing. Don't you feel, I, there's times I look like I've pulled up on this place many times, and I'll go back and do whatever, Lord. I don't want to do this no more. It's too painful. Then there's other times I couldn't wait to get here. Now, as I get older, I don't get too high, too low. Sometimes I'm like, eh, it's good. People say, man, that's a great service. Yeah, it's good. Okay, what's next? Because we, as you mature, 
and season in life, you don't get too high or too low about things you're mature in. Now, you're not mature in everything, and neither am I. The things we're mature in, right? Just because you're old don't mean you're mature. I know manure means manure, but mature does not mean the same as manure. Work on that for a minute. That'd be good for you. I've got all these body functions on my mind. For some, start talking about Peter. You want to cuss so bad. You know what I mean? I'm trying not to. That preacher said he wanted to cuss, Gertrude. Huh? And I'll end with this. The, the Bible says in Psalm 37, 23, the steps of what? A righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And that means women too, right? The steps of a righteous person are ordered. What's order? Order means accurate arrangement of things. The steps of a righteous person. Righteous means what? Right standing. So if I'm right standing, if I'm right standing in my topos with God, in my righteousness in him, when I'm standing in that righteousness, what's it mean? Things are accurately arranged and set up for my skill set, my gift, my wisdom, my knowledge, or even my lack thereof. God will use me anyway. Think about that. Hmm. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Let's bow our heads. Hallelujah. Those watching online and those in here this morning or You know, we've been talking about this calling, calling, calling. You're still hung up on that first word, saved, because you know, well, it says saved and called. I only, you know, I want to be called, but I'm not saved. What does that mean? Well, it determines where you spend eternity, number one. Number two, it determines how happy you're going to be on this planet, because, man, I probably wouldn't even be, I know I wouldn't get alive if I didn't get saved, but I definitely wouldn't have this amazing life I have with my beautiful wife and kids and you know my best friend and all that I wouldn't have that if I hadn't given my life to Christ so when you really look at it whatever age you are well I'm too old now I should have well you know you're you know eternity is forever and if you got another year or 10 years you might want to get things right because hell's really hot because hell wasn't created for you hell was created for the angels God kicked out of heaven it, it was created for supernatural beings that's who it's created for. Not flesh and blood. Not you and I. But the Bible says the only decision we need to make, he gives us the one big decision to make. I'm either going to accept him as Lord and Savior or I'm not. So you say, well, I'm not ready. That's rejection. Tomorrow's not promised to any of us. The next 10 minutes is not promised to any of us. Today is your day. Well, I'll do it next week. Sure you will. How many times you said that? Well, I won't be back for six months now because you're afraid you might get saved. If you make it six months. This is your day. This is your day to get saved. This is your day to get right with God. Yeah, but what will my friends think? I don't know. What will they think if you're in hell with them? They would have said, I thought you went to that church. You should have told me about this. There are no excuses. So today you have heard that if you not, do not receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and if you do not accept his blood as atonement and believe that he rose from the dead and make him Lord of your heart and repent of your sin, you, when you take your last breath, you will be present with your God. It will just be the God of this world in hell. 
Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Which Lord will you be with? It's just real simple, people. It's not complicated. Don't have to be all emotional. I like getting emotional too, though. That works it up good. But right now, I'm just telling you point blank, I love you. You're, look, now look at me, everybody. If you're not saved and you choose not salvation, there's no blood on my hands. I've told you. And you can't get to heaven and say, I didn't know. Yeah, you know. You heard it. I'm still trying to determine which God is it, this God. There's only one God, one way. Jesus Christ is it. So if you're confused on that, you better put the other second, third, or fourth or something because it don't work that way. He's number one or not at all. Amen. Not just a good prophet. He's not just a good rabbi. He is Lord and Savior, King of Kings. The Bible says every name that is named shall bow its knee to that name. Hmm. So bow your heads again. So I'm going to count to three. If you want to give your life to Christ, or rededicate. What are people say, well, what's rededication that? Well, I don't know. I don't want to go to hell and find out. How about you? All I know is to me it's all the same. Either you're with God or you're not. So how about it right now? I'm going to count to three. If you want to give your life to Christ, raise your hand. I want to pray for you just where you are right now. You know, you, God made you for such a time. He says, you're such a handsome man. You're such a beautiful woman. Why would you, why would you just continue to torment yourself? Why would you walk in that life and be miserable? You know, walking in fear and condemnation or even conviction's not fun. I don't know about you. I mean, it's not the same as condemnation. At least conviction, you get a light and know how to fix the room back. Condemnation, you don't get a light. You're just walking in a mess and don't know how to fix it, can't fix it, don't have the ability to fix it. But here in just a second, I'm gonna minute here, I'm gonna count to three. And I really feel strong, strong conviction in this room right now. I really do. I really do. But what if I'm the only one? Then we celebrate because you're the one. Now, there's more than one. There's multiple people in here. You need to come to Christ. But what does that mean? What do I have to change? I don't know. I'm not your judge. Holy Spirit will tell you or ask a good seasoned career. Ask me and I'll give you my opinion. But number one thing, it don't really matter to you make this decision. I know this much, whatever needs to change, he'll give you the grace to do it. You can't do it now because you're not strong enough, but you give your life to him, he'll give you the grace to do it. And if you drop the net and mess it up, just pick it back up. He'll give you the grace to forgive you and you just repent and he'll forgive you and you can go on and just keep going. Some of you need to pick up that net of salvation this morning, right now. Count to three. This is it. One, two, three. Raise your hand. You want to come home to Christ? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I want to pray for you. You want to come home to Christ? I'm telling you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Somebody else. Here's one that wants to. Here's someone in our church right now. Wants to. He wants to get it right with Christ. That's one. He's already done the hard part. He's made it easy now. He's made it easy now. Somebody else here. You want to come to Christ this morning? We'll count to 10 and we're going to pray. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. You sure? What's your excuse going to be? Well, you know, it wasn't my fault that guy hit me head on. He was drunk. Yeah, but are you saved? Because when you stand in front of God, there's nothing about the mortal stuff anymore. It's done. Five, four, but I haven't lived my life yet. Honey, you're going to mess your life up. You need to live your life through your assignment, not through your flesh. Three, is that hand up for salvation? Thank you, ma'am. Keep it up. Yeah, God bless you. Thank you. Three, so we got a gentleman and a lady. Now we got both. Two, how about it? 
Are you ready? We're going to pray. Are you ready? You're going to miss out with these two. They're giving our track. One, give God a shout for these two brave people. Hallelujah. Would you all meet me down here so I can pray with you? Come on down here. I want to pray with you. I'd like to have the honor of leading you to the Lord. Come on down here. Come on down here. Come on, buddy. Come on. Come on, come on, sweetheart. Come on over here. Come on over here. Amen. Amen, amen. Come on over here, honey. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. I don't want nobody to take this honor. Amen. So, so they've done the hard part. Everybody stand now. Now, if you just kind of slip up here real quick, nobody's going to really notice you was late to the party, but you're at the party. I'm giving you another shot here. I'm giving you another shot here because in about five seconds, we're praying. We're praying. Well, I wish he wouldn't do that counting thing, Gertrude. Honey, Bob Evans, food's cold when you get it. What are you worried about? Cold when you, if you wait, cold if you don't. But keeping somebody out of hell, I think that's worth cold food. You ready? We're going to pray. Everybody stretch your hands toward these and you all pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you rose from the dead. I believe you took the keys of life and death. I believe, Father, your blood atones my sin. I repent of my sin, and I ask Jesus Christ to live in my heart, to be my Lord and Savior, that I am born again. I am blood-bought in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Satan, I'm no longer your property. You're not my Lord. You have no authority in my life. I'm God's kid. I'm born again, blood-bought, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Give God a shout of praise. Bless you. So proud of you. Proud of you. Proud of you, buddy. Love you, man. Love you, man. Hallelujah. 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 Just remain standing. If you if you feel, man, just like a, you know, a real conviction about God doing something with your assignment, your calling, they'll they'll minister to those. Your calling this morning. I just want you to come on up here. I want to pray for those that just feel, man, there's something God's saying or doing, or I need encouragement, or I need just something to do with your assignment or calling. Just come down here real quick. I want to pray for you as a group. Say, man, I just feel, yeah, come on down here. Just get close. Yeah, come on in here close. Just get close. Just, man, I just, man, there's something up. I just want to know. I just want to know. I want to hear God clearly. I want to hear God clearly. Yeah, just come on in here. I just want to hear God clearly. Lord, speak to me. Speak to me. Or maybe you're just saying, God, I got to just lay some things down and repent. You know, some nets that I picked up. Just come on over here. Just come on over here. I just got to lay some of these nets that I picked up that I know not, they're not part of my assignment. Or there might be some nets you got to pick back up that are part of your assignment. Or you might be trying to discern what that assignment is. I don't know, but God knows, and the Holy Spirit knows. I said, God knows, and the Holy Spirit knows. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Joshua. Joshua, you can look at me. Uh, 
your assignment was told to you when you were young. You were in junior church or a little younger when God already told you your assignment. So I don't have to tell you what that is. But that doesn't mean you have to jump right into it. But you got to get yourself ready. And you're so gifted in so many areas and ways. But uh, God's really happy with you right now. He sees your effort. He sees your work. He sees your heart. That's why he's always protected you. You should have been dead a few times, but he's always protected you because of that. And, uh, and he's with you now. Amen. And, and he's going to reveal it even more to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Right now, right now, let's pray. Father, I just thank you for everyone up here, Lord. They're so humble to come forward. And God, they're not coming for me. They're coming for you. Holy Spirit, bring clarity right now. Bring clarity and understanding. Let them see what they couldn't see or give them the courage to do what they did see that they didn't have the courage to do. Whatever it is, Father, just release revelation to them right now. God, just, just begin to reveal to them the skills, the experiences, the life that they have right now, that how you want to use it. And you are using it many of their lives, but there's every time there's another level, another level in you, Father. They don't want to miss that level. They don't want to miss that opportunity. They don't want to miss that season. So I pray right now for clarity in their lives right now. I pray for understanding and discernment. I pray for provision to do what it is you put in their heart. I pray for the right relationships and connections to be with them, to manifest those things in their lives. And God, I thank you that every one of them are unique and important to you. There is not one above the other. I'm not above them. We are all your kids, and we are all on this planet seeking you, following you. And Lord, they choose to follow you even this morning down here. Now reveal, Holy Spirit, what they need to know. Maybe there's a sign that they haven't seen that's a little dangerous in their life. Reveal it to them right now, Lord. Maybe they don't want to admit it. God, put, make their heart beat so hard they, they can't, they know what they got to do. And Father, others just need a comforting nudge. Others just need encouragement, strength, and provision. So Father, right now, I pray for all of these right now. I pray for all these. I pray for just a, a, another level of activation revelation, impartation, provision for their assignment and clarity. Now, in Jesus' name. Now, in Jesus' name. Now, in Jesus' name. Lord, whatever it is that maybe was part of their assignment and doesn't seem to be, Lord, how's it leading them into the next assignment? What is it? Or Lord, maybe it is their assignment and they don't want to admit it. Whatever it is, Holy Spirit, just, just let them be the best they can be in their assignment. Let them be the best they can be in their assignment. I thank you for your grace. It is sufficient. God, when we need to drop a net and don't or when we need to pick a net up and we don't, your grace is sufficient. There's no wasted time. You will use everything, good, bad, and ugly in our life, Lord, to bring a great harvest for the kingdom so we can make a difference every day in every way in Jesus' mighty name. Give God a big shout. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.